<laughs> Been a couple of weeks. Ninja wet? Oh. Hi, I'm Kevin DeCristofano. I'm Sean Flanagan. We are the Ninja Turtle Nerds. You're not weekly right now because we're Between Seasons podcast coming at you one movie coverage episode at a time. That's an adjusted intro that I made up on the spot. How'd I do? <laughs> that, that was pretty good, and I'm glad you explained the, the format as far as the notes. This is the first episode I've had digital notes for. <laughs> yeah, because we got to kind of keep track of things. So, like we said at the end of our season there, we're rewarding ourselves for finishing Volume 1 by covering the 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie today. A movie that is pretty much universally loved, as far as I can tell. If Even if it's not your favorite version of the Turtles, I don't, I don't think I've ever met a Turtles fan who didn't like this movie. I like, it's not my favorite version of them either, but I love the movie still, you know? I, I've had a couple of people who have never seen it that I've shown it who aren't into Ninja Turtles, and they like it. So, so it holds up, you're saying, It to just holds who up as a movie. So Nice. Yeah, I can't say that for every franchise ever. <laughs> not even every Jim Henson movie, I would say. No, even no. though no slight to Jim Henson, I mean they they they're amazing, but they're not. You know, every studio's got its uh, got its stumbles. Can, can I can I do my Muppet gripe? I don't like Kermit's new voice. <laughs> oh, I haven't heard it yet. Although I did do a deep dive the other day, and I watched a bunch of voice uh, just randomly. It's funny you say that. Like two nights ago, I was watching a montage on YouTube of Jim Henson being Kermit, like basically the original Kermit. You know what I mean? And uh, and that was really cool. He was on the Tonight Show. Crazy talented. Like you, you literally are what? Like you see Jim Henson in the shot, and you're still watching Kermit the whole time and believe it's a it's an actual thing. Wow. Kermit would listen when he was talking and stuff. It was just so <laughs> so awesome. Yeah, that, I highly recommend going and checking that out. That that is an art, I gotta say. I mean, oh yeah, absolutely. It's like it's like juggling. Like he's doing like three things at once. If you if you really break down what's happening when like he's answering a question while Kermit listens, and like Kermit's like responding to like what's going on in the room while he continues to talk and stuff, it's crazy. But anyway, we're not here to talk about Kermit the Frog. We're here to talk about turtles, not frogs. <laughs> <laughs> No, no frogs um, in the movies yet. This is our first episode covering a movie. Um, I I kind of think we're going to do all the Turtles movies in this format. So I know a lot of other podcasts did basically a commentary track. And we might do that someday, but that's not what we're doing today. I, so I like first, this format I, I, because I'm really curious. I wasn't surprised with this movie but every other turtle movie i'm kind of all over the place with my opinions so i really yeah curious to see how those shake out mm -hmm. so we'll get to more of what we're going to do in a minute here i figure up front we could just talk about the movie in general for a little bit some some facts i wrote down here is so the thing everybody wants to know about every movie it's the only important fact apparently <laughs> people always cut to the chase uh, with, okay, how much did it make? How much did it cost? So 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I'm sure people know, huge hit, was the biggest independent film of all time until the Blair Witch Project came out. So that's a pretty big span of time. That's probably over a decade that it was the most successful independent film of all time. It cost $13.5 million to make, which is, uh, from some accounts, less money even than they promised Steve Bannon, the director. I think they promised him $20 million. And he wound up oh, wow. with 13 and a half. Uh, so, yeah, so it cost 13.5 million and it grossed domestic. I'm not sure on this one. I've got the global, which is more reliable, but these two numbers seem too close to me. So, either it had a very small global release or this number is wrong because the domestic was 135 million from 13. Yep. And worldwide it grossed 202 million from 13 that's insane especially in 1990 yeah and what's fascinating to me about it i'm not 100% sure but i think halloween would have been the most successful low budget movie till ninja turtles and then Probably. it was the blair witch and then i think it's my big fat creek wedding but it's funny. I feel like there was a period in the early 2000s where like there was an indie craze. Yeah. And there was like year after year it was getting the like the record wasn't lasting long anymore. Yeah. But it's fascinating to me that it was released through New Line that was basically really a horror movie and cheap action studio. And they lied to Corey Feldman is that Donatello? I yeah, they, they lied to him. Corey, I didn't know that. They they lied to him. They only paid him fi- uh, fifteen hundred dollars for his. Where was it? Fifteen thousand? No, it was fifteen hundred uh, for his voice. He probably did two days in a booth. But say, anyway, they, um, no, nobody went to that the, movie for Corey Feldman. <laughs> the reason they said they paid him low though was they claimed it wasn't going to be a theatrical release. They said it was going to be a small indie movie that nobody's going to see. And so he did it for basically whatever the amount he got paid, it was nothing. And and then he was that's why he didn't come back for two is when he saw, oh, they released it on 2000 screens, which is another number I have here. I don't I don't remember have the exact number, but it's something like 2000 screens. It was released on. That's a major release. And they told him it, nah, nobody's going to see it. You just we need you for two days to do voice work. It's funny, too, because, again, I have never met anyone who has seen the movie and goes, oh, that's one of my favorite Corey Feldman performances. No one brings that movie up when they talk about Corey Feldman. So what are your memories of the movie? I don't think I saw it in theaters. Did you? I saw it in theaters. It's the first movie I remember seeing in the theater. I don't remember. I, I might, like... I know for a fact I saw two in theaters, A Secret of the Ooze. I can't remember seeing this in theaters. No, I didn't see two or three, so TMNT would have been the next one I saw in the theater. But the funny thing is, all I remember is going with my dad. My brother was too young to take to the theater, so it was like up until now where it's what my dad and I do was like the only time we went to a movie, just the two of us. But it's funny because... He just said we're going to the movies. He didn't tell me what for. 
So I didn't really know there was a Ninja Turtle movie. You know, I wasn't like looking through the newspaper and seeing ads and stuff. So it was really cool to go. I get, I think some film critics do this. They just go and go, don't even tell me what this is. And that way they're a little Mm. more like, but yeah, no, it was really. I saw Toy Story that way. Oh, yeah. My, my uncle, I have a memory of seeing Toy Story in theaters. My uncle was in town. He wanted to go to the movies. We didn't even know what was showing. And he was like, ah, we'll find out when we get there. And we got there and we picked Toy Story. I, I remember that. So <laughs> it's a really great memory for me. And like I said, the people who didn't grow up on it or I've shown it do like it. And I remember driving home and my dad was quoting the movie. And there's... wow never been any other time that that's happened so it was kind of nice to connect on that level because you know he wasn't i saw we saw me myself and irene with your dad he was quoting it then (laughs) he's quoting that movie oh yeah yeah maybe i by the way i've watched that movie recently it doesn't hold up i'm not surprised yeah stick to dumb and dumber if you want that combination but no, it's, I don't know, it was just cool because he didn't watch a cartoon with me, like, any of that, so f- that was really the only Ninja Turtle thing he saw. Nice. My memories are mainly of having the VHS. I owned all three Turtles movies on VHS, but I can't remember, I looked online today of images, they, there were a few releases of it, and um, like 85% sure... I had the black VHS sleeve that says Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in block letters going down like 90% of the cover, and then the turtles are at the bottom. That's the one I had. Yeah, the little FHE logo in the corner. I didn't know they had different covers. There's a green one, which it's the same thing. It just has a green background instead of a black if you looked at it, you'd recognize it. Yeah. And it was so, like, familiar to me, but I, I'm starting to think that's just because that was what the DVD artwork was. Because I don't think I had the green one. I'm pretty sure I had the black one. And it's funny that the entire cover is those, like, block letter. Like, hmm. it. the thing to me is, like, if you look at all the promo stuff for it, the poster, the VHS cover, that's pretty much it. I don't know. <laughs> the, the newspaper ads will have this, too. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is written in those block letters. Yeah. But in the movie, when they jump out, it's the cartoon logo yep. that comes up on screen. And I feel like that was something that might have happened late in development. I don't have anything to support this, but... The fact that it's different has always stood out to me. It makes me wonder if, like, halfway in, they were like, oh, the toys for this movie are going to get released on the same toy line, so we should just put the cartoon logo in in the actual film so that it lines up. I don't know why it's, like, it's not, I don't know, maybe, I, could, I guess now that I think about it, I could see why they wouldn't put it on the VHS sleeve, because then you'd think it was episodes of the cartoon show. So they had to make it different there. I think that all the advertising, the posters and stuff are interesting because they're so minimalistic. Yeah. Like, look, look at... Maybe not the live It's usually just ones. the four turtles in a sewer cover. That's like almost every every poster for it. Or, But every movie poster now for big, you know, effects movies, like... 
they usually give it some flair and stuff. So it's just fascinating to see that that's all they had to do is put the title on it, the biggest thing on the poster, and then just the turtles (laughs) at the bottom. I also saw that apparently at some point they released a green VHS tape of it. So I don't remember I don't, that. I either. don't remember seeing that as a kid. Like I don't remember anyone having that. I remember like Nickelodeon VHSs that were green, but yeah. I don't think I ever saw that 1990 Ninja Turtle green VHS tape. No, and I I'm not a fan of the Blu-ray cover. I mean, I mean, I'm still shocked they didn't do a all the, 30th oh, anniversary the digital release. releases. Which, like, if you look at it on any digital service, it's got, as of right now, I mean, I know this stuff changes, but it's, each movie is a different turtle, and it's all the suits from the third movie, so they have these, like, goofy faces, and it's, ugh, it's like, if you look, go look it up on whatever you I'm gonna have, have to check it out, because that, that's, that sounds awful. Yeah, the artwork on, on there, it's terrible. I mean, I guess it was the time, too, because... Even Jurassic Park, that first poster is just the logo. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It was just yeah, it was like the the '90s and the early 2000s. That like 12 year period. I feel like there was a lot of stuff where they would do like simplicity. For the, simplicity was like the motto. Like all the way, I think the prime example of that that I always hear is think about the second X Men movie is literally called X Two. Yeah. <laughs> when you look it up places because yeah and uh, and you remember when they advertised spider-man 2 sam raimi's spider-man 2 go back and look at the trailers for that it never says spider-man it's literally a two in the spider-man font that comes up just a number two so it's like you know what it is like that's what they, <laughs> that's that, that was the idea back then so yeah i don't um, know bring bring that marketing back on some stuff you know yeah, it's effective. I learned a random piece of trivia while I was looking at stuff for this episode. So 30 years later, I'm still learning about this movie. And it's funny, like, and they might have mentioned this in their show. It's been a long time since I listened to the first season, but I listened to all of Ninja Turtles minutes. I love that podcast, Ninja Turtle Minute. Check out their podcast. They go over the movies one minute at a time. So I basically listened to like 120 hours about this movie and still don't remember hearing this. So even with all that, I'm still learning. And the, the random trivia fact I found was Robin Williams was apparently a big fan of Ninja Turtles. And he provided Judith Hogue with comics from his collection so that she could basically figure out you know, what April O'Neil was all about. Because the two of them were in the movie Cadillac Man right before turtles went into production i did know that crazy i'd never heard and that. robin williams went to the premiere <laughs> robin williams should have been at every premiere so so this let's system, go over what we're gonna do today yeah to how yep. we're gonna we're not gonna do uh not director commentary what's the we're word not, for commentary track yeah we're not doing that and we're not gonna review it really So I came up with this system and the best way to describe it, this is something I have, I should have brought the notebook down here with me so I could give away like what I scored other movies, but I'll do that for secret of the use. So something to look forward to, but anyway, 
long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, uh, I was thinking about the Star Wars prequels. This was even before Disney acquired Star Wars. This is how long ago this was. This was when there were only six Star Wars movies. <laughs> and um, because I'm very methodical about the way I do things, I was wondering which prequel, like what, how I would rank the prequels. And because when I think about each prequel movie, I'm like, oh, there's like a handful of stuff in that movie I love. But there's like a handful of stuff in that movie I hate. <laughs> And it's that way for each prequel. And it was it's always been hard for me to rank them. They were always seem kind of even for me. And then eventually I was like, well, I wonder if I just checked it out and like kept track how the movies would, would score. Is it really one step forward, one step back the whole way? Or how do they shake out? So I came up with this thing, and I've done it for a ton of movies now, where I score a movie... I almost made a whole, this was almost the podcast Sean and yeah, I did. This yeah. was one of the ideas we talked about where we almost just scored movies this way, where every time you see something you love in the movie where you're like, oh, that's amazing. You give the movie a point. And then every time you see something, you're like, oh, I wish they hadn't done that. That's stupid. You subtract a point and it's that simple. And then at the end, by the end, you have a score. I think when I did this for the prequels, and this is just going over off the top of my head. I think Phantom Menace scored the highest with it was like a negative 12. Like they all scored in the <laughs> negatives. <laughs> but it was like negative 12. I think Revenge of the Sith was next with negative 14. And then Attack of the Clones, it turns out I like the least. It was like negative 25. Yeah. But there were positives in there. They just didn't outweigh the negatives. So <laughs> That that's how that's a, that's what we're gonna do today to the 1990 Ninja Turtle movie, and eventually all these turtle movies is we're gonna we're gonna score them, and basically how we're gonna put it all together is Sean made his list independent of me, I made my list independent, and then he sent it to me, and I put the list together, and we're gonna give it basically like a credit score. You know how when you get your credit score, you get three numbers. Yeah. So there's there's the Sean, there's the Kevin, and then there's what the list combined comes out to. So you get three scores for the movie by the end of this. And the combined score, as we do more of these, will probably end up being more of the general opinion, you know? Yeah, we probably don't, usually we don't end have up being the highest of the two. To weigh it against right now, so Yeah, exactly. So this is gonna kind of be weird because it's the first one. That's why I wish that's why I tried to give the prequels as like an example. Another one I know off the top of my head is the first amazing Spider-Man movie with Andrew Garfield. I remember that's one of the only movies that scored a zero by the end of it. Every time I it was one step forward, one step back. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, I don't like that. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, I don't like that. By the end of the movie it was a zero. Yeah, you've you've got me wanting to do it with uh some horror franchises since I fall into the Halloween kills was okay. I did not love it, nor did I hate it. So it just made me wonder like how the hell I would score each of those movies. And then at the end of the episode here, after we talk about what's in the movie, we'll, we'll do a, 
little thing about the deleted scenes. We had someone on, on Twitter comment that they'd like to hear us talk about that. So we'll definitely bring up the deleted scenes. I, I did a deep dive on those as well. I don't know. Let's I, let's kick this thing off here. So Steve Bannon was doing some magic there. If they were supposed to give him twenty million. Oh yeah. Like, well, <laughs> you know what? I'll give away something right here. So the way the movie uh, here's one of the deleted scenes we were going to talk about at the end. So here's where some of his money went. Um, the movie originally had a different opening. Originally, the the stuff that you kind of see at the beginning here was intercut with the turtles in the sewer, but you wouldn't really see them. They would be in shadow. And then when April was getting mugged, their shells were going to pop up in like a nearby river. And, and then they were going to take out the light. So it was going to like, there was basically more turtles in this opening and he had, there's a director commentary on a German release of the movie. We never got it. Um, where he, where Steve Bannon talks about this. I don't know if I would have liked that as an opening. No, you know, to tell you the truth, most of the stuff that I found out got cut from this movie. I'm actually like, I could see like that. I can live without that. And there's only like one or two and we'll get to it after we cover the movie. There's only like one or two things that I'm like, oh, I really wish they had gotten that. So we start the movie, we've got these, this, this wonderful montage, which they, they tried to do again in Secret of the Use, but didn't, wasn't really as good, um, of basically city life. You know, we got a bustling city. And my first point that I gave the movie, I wrote, um, basically the opening, it, it, it's back to the future level brilliant. You know, like in Back to the Future, you see the clocks and it tells you everything you need to know about Doc Brown. Yep. Like this shows you so much in so little time without us even knowing that we're learning. So you see April O'Neil on television. She's giving a news report about the foot clan as we pass by newspapers that are talking about an increased crime, an increase in a crime wave. And we see another character who we later learn is Danny, uh, do some pickpocketing. And then it's followed by like ninjas, robbing boxes out of a delivery truck and that stuff basically it's like it this is like a what's that called like a rue goldberg machine where like one thing knocks into the other knocks yeah yeah it's it's similar to that yeah it's 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 yeah so i gave a point for that uh as did sean you i think that's what you you meant here yes so i i gave the movie a point just because and again it it's it's a different time like i I'm sure as we do these, it'll be much more evident, like 2014 opening to this, but they do such an awesome job of setting up the crime wave and Mm -hmm. they don't do it in a way that comes off as stupid because if you break it down, it's very cheesy, but the way it's put together is so good and conveys everything you need to know about what's going on right now, what's plaguing the city. And then, obviously, if, you know, you're a kid and you're like, oh, oh my God, that's April O'Neil. And, you know, oh, that's Danny. No, you don't know who Danny is, but I don't know. They just they just did this great This is the job. only thing Danny's ever appeared in, and it's going to stay that way. <laughs> uh, he finally I, got his figure, though. Yes. But I, I don't know. They just do this great job of establishing that. They 
you know, at the time I'd never really been to a city, so they just do an awesome job of setting up what New York is like. So mm-hmm. it just, I don't know, all of it together works brilliantly. The next point, I specifically singled out this part where in that montage, I think it's worth another point, the part where they rob the truck, because I think it's awesome. You see the, you see the truck is full of boxes. The guy goes over to get a signature on a clipboard, and then he walks back and the truck is empty and you don't hear anything. Like, so right away, you know, this isn't just like normal gang activity. Like these are ninjas. That's how ninjas work. So I gave an extra point for that because I, I love that part. It's funny because it's the only truck hijacking scene I've ever, you know, witnessed in a movie that has nothing to do with the mob, you know, like where the driver's <laughs> in on it. And he's like, oh, well, they left him his truck. They just wanted his VCRs. <laughs> so I don't know. It, it It's a little unique just for that. And then we both had the same point here. The, the next thing that excited us in the movie. So obviously you get the crime montage and then you move into April leaving the studio and Sean, what did we give each a point for? So we, we gave this scene a point because you see Raph throw his sigh at the light as April's being Mm -hmm. attacked. And again, that's how ninjas work. It's just, again, you do get sound this time. Because you hear mm-hmm. the turtles fighting the, you know, the thugs and tying them up. And then the light comes back on. And I don't know. It's just, it's, it shows how proficient they are against untrained enemies. And I mm. just think it does it perfectly. And, and the sound builds suspense because you want to see the turtles. Yep. And I, I think even with that original opening we talked about, you'd still be there because you would have only seen their shells at this point, like, pop up in the water. I'm glad that it's not there, but you can tell that the intention the whole time was, like, building this suspense where you want to see them and you don't see them. You still haven't seen them yet. You just hear them. And then I gave it a point just for Raph peeking out of the sewer because it's really the only time you get an image that's like the poster even though it's just <laughs> yeah Raph. i did always put that together i've always thought of that whenever i see that i'm like oh it's like the poster but it's just raf <laughs> and then we both gave a point right here where we basically said the music in this movie it's perfect which is funny because apparently originally they wanted to use more punk music which is why danny's got the sid vicious shirt they wanted to do like a Sex Pistols like tile, styled soundtrack, but so happy they went in the direction they did. It's yeah, it's iconic. I mean, it's not widely known like Star Wars or Indiana Jones mm-hmm. or even Game no, of Thrones. No, but it's one of those movie scores where right away you know it. Just dunnin, dunnin, you're like, oh, it's Ninja Turtles. I got it right there. <laughs> you know, like, but I, I think it's the only dun, turtle dun, dun, movie dun, dun, with a great score. Honestly, I'll agree. Cause yeah. I, I don't. Know I mean, this... I love um, I love the uh, Shell Shock song from the 2007 TMNT movie, which apparently isn't on any music streaming service. But, but other than that, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, 
it's so 90s, but it has a timeless quality to it also. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't feel like he... There it's are... synth music, but it's not like 80s synth yeah, music, even like... though that's when they did this. It doesn't sound like a Saved by the Bell episode or something. It's that, and it's not like a, a Ridley Scott 80s movie where he was getting these electronica oh, yeah. artists to do his scores. And, you know, which isn't a knock against those movies, but, like, if you watch Legend with the electronica score... And then there's a cut that has a traditional score that was written too. The <clears> traditional <throat> score makes it a little more timeless. I mean, it's still obviously the 80s, <laughs> but yeah. not to the degree that the... I think Tangerine Dream did that score. And then I feel like the successful one of the successful ways of doing that was RoboCop did it really mm-hmm. well where he... It's a very 80s score, but it's got a lot of orchestra backing it, so it kind of separates it. But then you have stuff like the original Terminator, which really is such a 80s, like, oh, okay. I see what, you know, when this came out. And it's not a knock, it's just, for me, great music has a more timeless quality to it. And the fact that the score for Turtles has that at all is amazing. And it's it's so weird that it took them so long to officially release the soundtrack. It was just like at the time of this recording a year ago or two years ago that they finally released it. Yeah, that was the only thing they did for the 30th anniversary, really. Mm. And uh, I mean, they could have so easily just been like, just get music from the show. You know, it, yeah. it, it could have opened with that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme song and I'm just yeah. so happy they didn't go that route with it. Yeah. The next point I added, so after the turtles, you know, Raphael, we know he looks up from the sewer and he's like, damn. <laughs> uh, they they go back to the, the lair. And just like in the first issue of the comic book, they're all hyped that they just fought, you know, a bunch of criminals. And they talk to, to Splinter. And in the comic, this is where he tells them their origin. But he's just like, you know, were you seen and all this? And, and to me, basically why I gave this a point here, we see Splinter for the first time. And it's when I always realized to me, this is my definitive Splinter. And I think each turtle, each character in the turtles, I I don't think there's a, a single version where I like them all the most. It's like, okay, Splinter here. This is my Splinter. I like the like Michelangelo from the 2012 series. He's my favorite. Like I pick and like I, I pick and choose from the different versions. None of them. You know what I'm trying to say? Like there's not a single version where I'm like, those are my favorite version of each character. It's all spread out. No, I, I, I get it. I, I, for me as a whole, the 1990 movies kind of my favorite version of them, like in a movie or a show. Mm-hmm. But as, when you get to the shows, I do have like, I like Leo from Rise the best, but I like Raph from 2003, but Donnie from 2012, you know, like, yeah, but as far as the movies go, th- to me, this is the Mirage Turtles to me come to mm-hmm. life. Yeah. When I read a comic book, this is the splinter I'm hearing in my head. Yeah. 
He's got just enough old man in him, but I feel like sometimes other splinters go kind of too old with it. It's like, it's perfect. And then I, I deducted our first point. I, I don't know if you agree with me on this, but Raf decides he's going to go out because he's upset about losing his side and his brothers are dancing to tequila. I just don't like that song. I don't know if it's because <laughs> I associate it with Pee Wee's Big Adventure and that's like the scary uh, see, part of the movie. I always or... associate it with this movie. I didn't add a point for it, but I, that's something we just... That's where our paths deferred uh, right there. I, didn't, I just didn't have anything to say about tequila other than it makes me think of this movie, not not Pee Wee. I don't know. I, I don't know why, but here at that same part is when Raphael's like, out to a movie. That okay with you? Um, yeah. I always liked, and I added a point for this. I like the way Leonardo says, yeah. <laughs> like he delivers it with this undertone of like, Dude, calm down. <laughs> like like the way siblings do to each other, you know? Like cuz Raph needs to calm down. Like he's like, "Where are you going? Out to a movie. Is that okay with you?" It's like, "Dude, calm calm down. I was just just wanted to know what you were doing." <laughs> like so I I added a point for the Leonardo going, "Yeah." That's a great moment. I've yeah. I've grown to enjoy Leo more as a character as I've gotten older, honestly. So I, I have much mm. more appreciation for him. I did deduct a point for Raph's disguise. <laughs> it's classic. It's the thing from Fantastic Four, basically. It is, but in that universe, people know of the thing, so it's not like, yeah. oh. And it's more glaring when he's in the day doing it, but yeah, it's just clearly a turtle in a trench coat and hat and... Which is why the cab driver says it looked sort of like a turtle in a trench coat. <laughs> That's like one of the things the 87 cartoon did better but creepier. Is at oh, least they masks? had those awful no, masks. Thank you. <laughs> no so, thank you. I I think I just would have preferred Ralph be Ralph, yeah. Ralph. Raph <laughs> being more stealthy going to the movie. But I mean, it doesn't kind of like in the in the the Platinum Dunes series when they watch the basketball game. Yeah, like could have just like yeah. snuck in in the rafters. Yeah, yeah. Was it basketball? Yeah, it was basketball. Yeah, it was basketball. It was a sports game. <laughs> so the next thing I added a point for is we go from there to the Donatello and Michelangelo sitting in the sewer grate opening whatever you want to call it waiting for the pizza guy and i added a point because this is basically foreshadowing their conversation they're talking about like have you ever thought about what splinter said you know about how someday he's not going to be around and it's foreshadowing later in the film when they are going to not have splinter he isn't going to be around and it's just like it it's done in such a natural perfect way where splinter just said this thing to them in the lair. And here they are like two brothers waiting on a pizza guy. Just like, Hey, I mean what he was just talking about in there. Like, did you give it any thought? And of course, Michelangelo didn't, but, uh, (laughs) and then I added another point for the classic line about forgiveness is divine, but never pay full price for late pizza. So 
That's another point there. I give the pizza guy credit, though, because I would have never found that sewer great. <laughs> and an eighth. 121 and an eighth. So another part I gave a point for was I love the meta humor where Raph is coming out of the movie theater and it's showing critters. Yep. And his his comment is, where do they come up with this stuff? Which is, you know, obviously what people say about the Ninja Turtles. And that's a movie about a critter. So I, I thought it was cute. I learned. So I have the shooting draft for this movie, which it was sent to me by another turtle podcaster. I'm not going to say which one because I don't want him to get a thousand emails like asking for this script. But uh, he got it from the actual film people. And oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so for this episode, I looked through it. And there was a different line here. It wasn't where do they come up with this stuff. It was something commenting on uh, the Batman movie. Cool car, stupid costume. Is It's something like that was the original scripted line. And he's talking about Batman. No, in tr- true Robert Shea New Line Cinema fashion, he goes to a New Line Cinema release. <laughs> <laughs> so. and, then I, and then I added a point for Casey Jones is one of my favorite Ninja Turtles characters. So of course he gets a point. This is one of the best versions, not the best, but one of the best versions of Casey Jones. And just like a lot like Splinter to me, this is pretty much the definitive version that I compare all Casey Joneses against. So basically we all know the story, but I keep going through it so people know where we are in the movie. So Raphael bumps into Casey Jones, who is fighting some thugs in the park here. I almost took a point away for his introduction, but then I stopped myself because part of me when I was watching it, and I, you know, it, you know, that was the point, you know. That what do you was like? A crime, you pukes! How long was he in that tree? Like I almost took a point away for that because <laughs> I'm just like, so he's just awkwardly sitting in that tree, waiting, hoping something's gonna happen. Well, instead of taking one away, we both added one here for basically the same thing, saying yeah. that it's it's nice that it's almost exactly what happens in the 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 comic book, the Raphael one shot. Yep. It's very similar. You know what? I'll just keep doing the deleted scenes as we go. It makes more sense than throwing them in at the end. So this is where another one would have gone is there's photo evidence that they shot this too and it didn't make it in again very little deleted scenes the footage has ever shown up anywhere but basically just like in the original comic after they fight in the park here and then he runs away and in the movie it ends with you know Raphael somersaults over the cab and giant you know you go into LaGuardia right and they like, I'm not finished with you damn you know um I don't know if they shot this, although there is like on one of the trading cards. Yeah, it's a, it's a trading card image did. of it. This originally extended to where Raphael followed Casey Jones into an alley. And if you read the comic book version of the movie, this is in there. So if you want to see this deleted scene kind of like in something, it's in the comic version of the movie. And he 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 goes in there and like on the card the caption that it has it's Raphael has Casey Jones in a headlock and Raphael says 
who's the champ now is the as the caption who's the champ now so that was probably in the scene somewhere again you can see it in the comic book if you want to read it but yeah originally he chased him into the alley and there was more to this fight is there anyone who's seen this movie that doesn't associate cricket with this scene i associate you know, crumpets with this scene you know it's funny every time cricket comes up and i'm sure a lot of people listening do the same thing i say you got to know what a crumpet is to understand cricket every single time without fail they don't get the reference and i've even had the like people say like I mean, everyone knows what a crumpet is. Like, what are, what are you talking about? Like, I've even gotten, like, that type of reaction. It's like, I'm quoting Ninja Turtles, you you jerk. <laughs> like, that's why I stopped quoting movies at work. Because people mm-hmm. look at me and I'm like, really? All right, fine. <laughs> Just go to my corner. <laughs> Quote to myself. But I did, I did add a point for that because I quote it all the time. You got to know what a crumpet is to understand cricket. It's, it's too often. Like, you wouldn't think cricket would come up that often, but it does. I, I and then mean, that and Shaun of the Dead are the only two movies I can think of. So. <laughs> <laughs> it actually came up the other night. My my girlfriend uh, watches this show. Oh, I forget what it's it's like something explained on Netflix and um and they they like explained so they had an episode on cricket and it, it came up. The other so night. when you full blown knock a turtle into a trash can, that is three runs i didn't pay attention to the oh, episode. i don't well, know <laughs> what good is that <laughs> i don't know what a crumpet is so <laughs> so i added a point for that line and i also added a point for this next scene where Raphael goes home sad and he's talking to splinter and i love splinter's advice about how anger clouds the mind and and turned inward it's an unconquerable enemy like that might be one of that might be the best splinter quote of all time this scene because believe it or not he doesn't have a lot of moments like this like he no, he's he known doesn't. for them and and he doesn't actually have them it's funny he he has almost like this yoda obi-wan comparison with people with mm-hmm. quotes and then you go no really dig through splinter right now Tell me how many of the things he says yes, are actually wise. Yeah. And there's not many, but yeah, I added a point because I, I love the you are unique among your brothers part of what he says to Raph. I think it's just because it, it's part of why I identified with that turtle is mm-hmm. like, you know, kind of get where he's coming from and i don't know it's just it was cool to see that acknowledged in something i was into even if i was too young to understand what it meant mm. yeah i could see so that. and it's again at the more i think about it it's probably one of the best scripts for a movie as far as ad uh, an adaptation of something like i don't know they just even just taking moments from volume one of mirage and combining them they do such a fluid job of it that it it feels like this was one comic (laughs) and then just like they do with the turtles at the beginning they keep shredder in the shadows for his introduction that's the next scene i gave a point for this and so did you we overlapped here 
the scene where it's just television screens and he throws like a dagger at the TV and says, find her silencer talking about April. It's really cool that they give him this like shadowy. So now you're like, oh, I want to see what he looks like, too. There was that and looking at it now, too, it it fits this version of Shredder like. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of versions of Shredder, like he'd just be out in Get the me open. A new TV too. <laughs> <laughs> Go downstairs, see if we have one that fits. See that woman on her fire escape? Go get hers. <laughs> <laughs> I too heart New York. <laughs> but I, it's I don't know. Again, it's just such a great introduction. Uh, that that's another thing I think is lost in movies now is you very rarely get these awesome introductions for characters. I mean, you mm. you get them in, like, the MCU and stuff, but it's, like, it's not the same. I don't know how to say it. Like, this introduction of Shredder is completely different and better in a way than the post credit scene of the Avengers of Thanos, like, turning around. <laughs> you know? Yep. I and- agree. So I, I don't know. This just I guess tweet at us if you can explain it better than me. But I don't know. It's just an a thing that's missing from movies now, in my opinion. So then uh, the next thing we had a point here for it's basically the the subway scene with April. So she's you know getting assaulted by the Foot Clan, and then Raphael comes to save her. And I gave a point because I think it's great how they slowly dial up the fight scenes in the movie. Yep. First one's all in darkness. And then it's one Ninja Turtle against a bunch of Foot Clan. And and the whole fight, it's like quick and close up. You don't see much. And then eventually, like by the end of the movie, it's all four of them fighting and they're doing like crazy flips and stuff. But it like if you watch, there's like a progression to all the fights. And, and I love that. So I added a point. Yep, I, I gave it a point for the design on the Foot Ninjas. I love that they basically adapted that Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird look from the comic. The other thing mm-hmm. I noticed, too, again, d- pertaining to modern movies, the way the action is filmed in this movie is spot on. Like, you don't see a lot of what goes on in this fight, but it wasn't like the fights in Batman Begins where... Like, there are times I still rewatch that movie, and I don't know who's hitting who or what is going Mm. on. And you don't have that here. You have a clear sense that Raph is taking on more foes than he has on his own. And, you know, I mean, these seem like kind of flunky foot soldiers because they don't put up much of a fight. (laughs) But And then Raphael brings April back to the lair. Yeah. And... I gave this a point because I think this is the only time I've ever seen someone realistically react to meeting Ninja Turtles and a giant talking rat. Good on you, Judith Hogue. Nobody in any of the other versions ever... Fr- I mean, I guess in the cartoon, April faints, but... like, well, the, she ran into a, a good, wall. Good moment. <laughs> and I also added a point because if this movie can take the most ridiculous concept for an origin story... And, and explain it so efficiently here. There's no excuse for other superhero movies boring us. Like, 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 origin stories have become boring in superhero movies is basically what I'm saying. And they do it so well here and so quickly. That's basically what I'm trying to say. You don't have to make the whole movie 
and origin. Just right here, the scene is probably three minutes long, maybe not even that, and it tells you everything you need to know about where these guys came from. You don't need to make it the whole movie. I'm Robert so Pattinson. Let me tell you about how my parents were gunned down in front of me. <laughs> They're going to do it again. You know they are. But uh, no, I going with the origin, this just goes back to my love of practical effects. But as Splinter's talking and he says, I gathered them up in a coffee can. And I just love the image because it shouldn't yeah. work. And, and it, it's in a bunch of... Di- that, that coffee can is very integral to the Turtles origin story. It's in multiple versions of the Turtles origin. So People I, really like grab onto that coffee can thing. I just like it. It's just a very comic book image and the way they did mm-hmm. it with the effects and being practical. It just worked. I'm pretty sure it's in the IDW version. I'm pretty sure it's in the 2012 version. I, it might even be in Rise. I think there's always a coffee can. So I, I liked that. and uh... Oh, no, it's the 2003 version I was thinking of. It was definitely there. I watched that recently. Then the next point I gave it was just for having second time around in the movie. Because I yep. think especially at the time, if you were reading the comics, because to us that didn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. To Robin Williams, it did. Right. <laughs> so I just thought that was a very cool moment that they even have it in there. They didn't have to. They could have just yep. had, that's April's apartment and never had the store. And <laughs> I deducted another point, and this is something I never noticed until someone on Twitter pointed it out. And now, much like the stormtrooper banging his head in <laughs> the Death Star... I can't unsee when they leave and Leo's sword gets caught on the wall and bends. So I noticed you took a point away for this, but not. Did, have you not seen the crew member that's there during the la, the Raph Leo argument? No. Okay, I'm not going to point it out to you because then you'll never unsee it. it. He is in the middle of the shot wearing like a bright like baseball cap. He's like he thinks he's crouched below a table, but he's not. It's hilarious when you see it, but don't look for it because then you'll never unsee it. And it's, you know, I notice stuff in movies and this was just one of those things. And I'm like, I kind of wish you didn't point it out to me because then I wouldn't (laughs) note and I'm going to notice it every time I watch the movie. I also always see at the very beginning before the nice night, that scene when, when Donatello is skateboarding his way to Michelangelo, he does like a little like flip on the skateboard and while he's doing the flip you can see a human hand come into frame from the skate because the skateboarder is only wearing turtle legs he's not wearing so, a full turtle costume i thought i saw that this viewing yeah but i wasn't positive yep. so yep. i didn't take a point off for it but but You're welcome th- <laughs> yeah thanks now you've confirmed that for me so they go back to the lair splinter's been taken they go back to April, and I just like that they all look like they've sunken into the floor outside of her apartment. Yeah. I know it's just Splinter. that the height's right, but... So the the turtles stay over, and I, I didn't remember this. It's probably because I've never paid attention enough, but I love that Mikey sleeps with a panda bear. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> I always wondered where the hell the panda bear came from, and now I know. 
And then we both added points for April's boss comes over and says, can you guys hide? I called it ninja hijinks. Mm. We both added a point for that where they disappear. They, I don't know if I added, a, maybe I had a point for it later, but they do the vanishing and the appearing out of nowhere so well in the movie. Yeah. The ninja you, vanish. You just believe that they're ninjas. Um, I deducted a point for where do you keep the towels because you're in her bathroom and they're not <laughs> hell of a lot of places they could be. So from this scene, we go to the Foot Clan headquarters. This is what we do. And I think this is just another gr- example of good filmmaking here where we we see Master Tetsu and we instantly know we shouldn't like this guy because he kicks someone in the face while they're bowing. So it takes like 10 seconds for the audience to be against him. And I feel like nowadays they'd spell it out with a big clunky, like, scene of him like explaining some kind of evil like life philosophy he has or something and instead we just see him kick a guy in the face while he's bowing so so i gave that a point yeah i gave it a point for him saying never lower your eyes to an enemy because it's just a great line Mm -hmm. (laughs) like yep he full-on kicks this kid in the face and then immediately runs over and says that and helps him up so (laughs) And then I added a point for this Shredder introduction, which actually also goes into deleted scenes. And I'm glad they kept it this way, where it's just the Tico, Tyco, however you say that, drums. And and he walks in, and, and he's just looking really cool, and he does that I am your father bit. But originally here, and I'm glad this isn't in the movie, one of the deleted scenes was that he would they would roll a carpet out for him here and he would sit cross-legged on it and then a bunch of people would attack him and he'd jump up and, and fight them all. And it's it's like supposed to show that like, you know, he can take down like 10 ninjas at once. And I think it would have been cooler if later on there's like this infamous deleted scene where they the turtles would have trained blindfolded. And I think it would have been cool if he did, if Shredder did that here and fought them off blindfolded. And then later they had that in the movie and it would have connected the two things because they always talk about this thing where like they're, you know, the turtles are doing the same form of martial arts as the Foot Clan because mm. Hamato Yoshi was in the Foot Clan. So it would have been this cool thing to show that they're doing the same training exercises type thing. But. As is, I'm glad this deleted scene got cut. That's one you can find clips of online. It, it's, you know, don't expect to see something that's going to change your life. It's really just Shredder it's crouching really, and then he stands up and fights people. It's pretty um, underwhelming when I finally like, saw it. <laughs> he's kind of just tossing them. Like the, None of it is like the best fight you've ever seen or anything like that. So, um, yeah, that's where one of the deleted scenes would have gone. So I I subtracted and then added, so completely negated myself. So I don't like (laughs) the cloak he wears. I don't know. It's just too cartoonish. I I don't know. It just looks goofy. Okay. I don't mind it at all. So not me, but okay. I don't know. Just like when he comes out and then Tetsu's going to like move the cloak over the razors. and I don't know. It's just goofy. But I love his voice. Like, mm-hmm. the voice is so good. 
Which, just like Darth Vader, I'm pretty sure there's three. No, there's not three. There's just the two. There's the the actor and the voice. But yeah, who was the third Darth Vader? There's the actor, the voice. Oh, and the face at the end of Return of the Jedi. Okay, and then eventually you got Hayden Christensen so four. But whatever. Um. And then I I did take away a point after the speech because it just it just seems goofy that Danny raises his hand like for his turn. <laughs> I feel like he could have just been like, "Hey, master." So this is where the crew member would be, by the way. Uh, I added a point for Mikey, uh, not Mikey, uh, Leo and Raph start their argument here about what they should do now that they don't have Splinter. And I love the way Donatello and Michelangelo like slink past the argument <laughs> to get into the kitchen. <laughs> fight, fight, kitchen, kitchen. And then there's like some movies would have ended it there. But they have them walk through the conversation. I love that. <laughs> There's a lot of little moments in it that are just real. I don't know how else mm-hmm. to say that. And then from that, you go to Casey on his roof fiddling with a radio. And I gave it a point because he sees Raph. And again... Yeah, it- and you know something? I saw you added a point for this. And I have a memory as a kid. I don't know if it was something with the VHS copy or what. But I could never see Raph here. As a kid, I can now oh, as an adult, really? but I remember being like, I don't see what he sees. Where is Raphael in this shot? I, 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 don't, just, I don't know what it was. It's a nice callback. I think just that Casey notices Raph now and, mm-hmm. you know, it explains how he ends up over there. And then again, just like with the turtles disappearing, you get this amazing foot out of nowhere scene where yep. they Yeah, we mentioned when we covered issue uh, 10, that's how the foot should be, is it should just be like from nothing to 100 all at once, you know? And they do do such a good job. And again, like you said, like the fight coming up is ramped up. It's more complicated. And I love that it evolves, Mm -hmm. you know, through the movie. And I added a point for one of the best turtle taunts of all time. You must be studying the abridged book of ninja fighting. Yeah, and then we... We both agreed we gave another point just for the banter between the turtles during the fight. Yeah. Uh, Structurally speaking. uh, (laughs) Like, I I don't feel like... I also love the line about the lumberjacks. Like, the only thing safe in the woods would be the trees. trees. (laughs) I don't feel like Uh, Donnie gets a lot of moments in this movie. mm. So, I... The structurally speaking does seem like a thing that he would stop and be like, guys, hey, hold on. (laughs) And then we also both gave points for how this plays out just like the comic where Casey shows up and it, this is all pretty much issue 10, like exactly. So we, we both gave points for that. And then I gave it a point for Ninja Vanish once everything all goes to hell and the turtles escape. And then there's kind of a lull in the points where I think I, I think we were both just kind of enjoying the movie. Yeah, there wasn't anything. And then uh, I didn't read through all these notes, but this note's just funny the way you put it. So, <laughs> so yeah, the movie goes to the farmhouse at this point, and we didn't really give any points for April doing her turtle drawings or anything like that. The next thing is when they're at the campfire. I don't know. This might have been he's, when he was no, being he's, tortured by Shrek. Yeah, he's talking to Danny. He's talking to Danny. Okay, you're right. So when he's talking to Danny, the note that I wrote is, this movie is making me sad for a puppet. 
because when he says all fathers care for their sons to Danny, like you could tell that he misses his kids. So I was like, this movie is making me sad for a puppet. And again, that's one point that goes to the strength of the practical effects. I mean, I'm not saying you can't do it with CG, but like monk splinter, I'd never buy Mm. that from him. (laughs) And we also gave, we also both gave points for the ABC insults. Yep. Which is Casey and Donnie in the barn. I don't know when I realized they were doing insults in alphabetical order. They're not in the comic. No. They they have some of the same insults in the comic. Like, I think they both say gack face or something. Yeah. But in the movie, they're doing alphabetical order, which is really cool. And I appreciate that the truck doesn't, you know continue to go and go down a hill and through a fence and burst into flames and (laughs) (laughs) and my my next two points here i added points for for the little screen time they had together i think they do a good job on this farm of establishing a casey april relationship especially later when he's talking about how he used to play hockey and they're having that moment on the swing um so i added a point for that just general observation yeah uh, and also, it's one of the only versions where i buy it yeah and i also added a point for so obviously by this point Raphael's woken up he needs food and uh <laughs> right right around this time uh i love the turtles playing trivial pursuit that is um like there's just something about that something about like this is what brothers do when they got nothing else to do like just so awesome. Like, I, I want that. I want to call back to that in some new turtle media because I love it. Then you get, they talk to Spirit Slinner, Splinter because you get the damn puppets are making me feel things again. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You're, um, so here we, you took a point off for the perform. You can see oh, the performer yeah. in the Donnie suit. That That's something I never noticed again until somebody <laughs> said something and I'm like, Oh, that's Kino. Oh. <laughs> and then we both took a point off for the part that Ninja Turtle Minute has pointed out that I can't unsee now where Casey forces April into the chair. It's just kind of creepy and no good. I mean, yeah, he's doing it to give her a back massage, but no means no, Casey. Come on. This is creepy. Um, I added a point for one of my favorite montages of all time. Oh, yeah. Which is, yeah. Uh, yeah. Did I give two points for the Trivial Pursuit? Oh, no. I skipped ahead before, so I already mentioned the Trivial Pursuit. Sorry, I mixed two points up. Earlier, when I talked about Trivial Pursuit, I meant that I gave a point for when April and Casey are arguing and the swing breaks. Oh, yeah. So apparently the swing breaking was not planned, and I think the actor playing Casey Jones, he just pulls it off. So, like, I love moments like that in film. When something just wasn't planned and it's just and they roll it, with it, perfect for what they needed anyway. So yeah. that's where. Okay, so now we're so they did the montage where they were training in the field and then they're playing Trivial Pursuit. Okay, and then the the, the puppets are making me feel things again. That's where they're contacting Splinter in the woods. Okay, all right, I see where we are. And then we go back to New York, and here's a line from the movie that I don't ever hear people reference, but I love when they, so they go back to the lair, and Danny is hiding in the closet thing, and they open the door, and Danny says, don't shoot, 
And Raphael says, I don't think it's loaded, kid. And it's it's Leonardo's swords. I think that's hilarious. It's funny, too, because it... I guess it makes sense because he's a kid in New York and he's in the, the gang. Yeah. But none of the foot have guns. The turtles don't have guns. Like, he can see the turtles. I don't know. It's just a funny moment. And I, I deducted a point for Danny's amazing line of, My father's going to have kittens. I think April says that. Oh. But... Either I just way, associate just like everything life. bad with Danny. <laughs> it's just a stupid line. My next note is an added point for, it says, Splinter cutting him up with that knowledge, <laughs> which is the scene where Danny is talking to Splinter again, and Splinter's basically like, do you hide from your surrogate family now, too? Like, eh. so good. So good. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I guess I deducted more than you did. So Casey followed Danny to the foot headquarters. I took away a point for just how ridiculously fast Casey changes into a foot ninja outfit. <laughs> like, it's clearly two different people. <laughs> like, so. <laughs> but it regains a point for Casey fighting Tetsu, because I think that's a great moment. And another oh, yeah. reason that I think Tetsu needs to be in more turtle things. And then we get the second best turtle taunt in the movie. So this is for when the the foot soldiers have swarmed into the Ninja Turtle lair and they fill it with steam. And you got Raphael eating the apple saying, I do hope there's more of them. <laughs> I love that part. So I added a point. And then I gave it a point. And then it's just, it's all out mayhem. Yeah. Turtles yeah. versus foot everywhere. You get Donnie on the skateboard, which is a nice moment. Uh, so yeah, you added a point for that. I added a point for the the turtle head duck. The I love being a turtle. I mean, that's classic turtles. Classic. They don't do that very often either, have them duck in the shell. Which is weird because now they have the CGI. Like, it would have been so easy to do in, like, Rise or in the 2012 cartoon or something. Oh, I, I like... Speaking... You know what? Speaking of CGI, we're yeah. going to say my next note here. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah. I can understand why Hollywood kind of wants to do CGI turtles these days, but why is this still the best looking shredder we've seen in a movie? Like, like doesn't take a lot of money for what we got here. And I mean, this movie had no money and it still gave us the best looking shredder. So I gave a point to that. It's It's insane that they haven't been able to top this in however many years and then yeah turtles versus shredder i gave it a point um mm -hmm. the you lie do yeah, i, I was slacking on points here <laughs> yeah i made up for it the yeah the you lie do i i gave that a point that's a great moment uh that's another thing i think about all the time and like it's a gif that i look for a lot that i don't think exists somebody make a gif of that please, yeah i can never Uli find Uli. it either yeah and like there's there's I think there is one out there, but the text isn't good. So make a better version of the you lie. Do I like so, so good. And then again, appearing out of nowhere, splinters on the roof. This <laughs> is a great moment. And you get. I uh -huh. splinter versus shredder is awesome because I feel like now it would be some ridiculous kung fu like. 
wire work, Splinter jumping all over the place. I love that all he does is stand there, talk, and then Orokosaki realizes, wait a minute, you're the guy I killed, rat? Now I hate you even more. <laughs> and then you well, just... what I like about it is, like, I feel like I never listened to what Splinter says here until I was an adult. And I really like what he's saying here about, like, he's trying to give Saki some knowledge. Yep. And he's not listening. He's just charging at him. And, and there's it's a great monologue about how when you die, it's going to be without honor. And, then, and I, oops. I, <laughs> I've always liked the way Sh- Shredder flips over the roof. I don't know why. Yeah. It just looks cool. In the VHS version of the movie here, apparently um, you can completely see that they're on a backdrop because you can see the the set lights above it when Shredder charges. But somehow they fixed that in all other versions. You can only see it on the VHS version. I saw that on a YouTube video. And then we... Uh... <laughs> Look how all the points are basically coming from Danny. We both gave a negative point because... No one cares, Dan. No yeah, one cares. It's Dan now. Okay. Dan, <laughs> you owe me 20 bucks. <laughs> so, uh, I, he adds so little to the movie. He's probably the only real yeah, negative. Yeah, it's really weird, the choice there. Because for a movie that is so torn from the pages of the comic, it's so weird that his character exists. It's not like you needed another this is the audience character because you have that with April and Casey. Exactly. Yeah. So it it wasn't, and and it's not like he's a kid, you know, like he's older than the target turtle fan base. So to him, he's just an older person like Casey or April. And there isn't really a trope in movies where they go, all right, we need somebody in the movie. Who's with the heroes that the audience can identify with. At the same time, we need someone who's aligned with the bad guys that the audience can identify with. And then uh, you get a nice payoff of April and Casey would shut up and kiss me, which I think would be harder to pull off now. Probably. But it, and then it, we both agreed that ending on Cowabunga and the Turtle Power song... That's how every movie should end. Just plus one point for that all day. Yeah, that, it's, that's what I mean. Like, instead of tequila, they should have been listening to uh, Partners in Crime. <laughs> like a different song. It makes sense. So, the final scores here. The credit score. Here's what it all came down to. All that point, minus point, add point, minus point. So, Ninja Turtles. And I gotta say... I wish I had the other movies with me as a reference, but believe me, this is these are good scores. So, so I had a 34 for Ninja Turtles. Sean ended up with 17. But our combined list with all the points that we made in this podcast is the, the movie scored 44. And I mean, Woo! Amazing Spider-Man scored zero when you did it. Yeah. So... And- and like I said, the prequels were all in the negatives. Uh, I, th- I think you said I, your highest scoring movies were Turtles, 
Back to the Future, and Ghostbusters. So far, those are all my highest scoring movies. And they're all at about the same. They're all at about like 23, 24, 25 for me. So, yeah. I think they're all going to be lower going forward. I I don't think they're going to necessarily be significantly lower. But I, I, I don't think you've ever reached this height again with uh, a turtle movie. So there's a few more things about the mo- that what's not in the movie that I've got notes on. So one thing I never noticed until this watch is Michelangelo doesn't speak the entire time they're at the farmhouse, which is interesting. A lot of people think the marshmallow thing is Michelangelo, but it's actually Donatello when they're at the fire. It's Donatello who brought the marshmallows. Yeah, you, you, you just yeah. No, I I remember that was Donatello, but it's just dawning on me now that Mikey doesn't say anything at the farm. Mm-hmm. And we've always talked about in the comic, issue eleven is basically that whole farmhouse thing, and th- there's a lot here to unpack that I feel like everyone should think about for this movie. Is so Michael An- April does a sketch of all the turtles and the Michelangelo sketch is never shown in the movie, but there was a sketch made because there was an auction that made that went up on iCollector.com for the actual sketches from the movie, the props. And it, it happened in like May of 2011. And you can see the Michelangelo sketch and it was basically him hitting the punching bag was her her sketch. So this brings us to some more deleted scenes. So it's basically in issue 11, we remember Michelangelo kind of trashes the barn and that's what he does at the farm. And they kind of, I don't know if they shot it, but they did originally have that as an idea for the film because it's another thing we've only seen still images of, but there is evidence of him like kicking stuff around the barn that's not in the movie on various like stills that have been released and it must tie directly into that sketch of him hitting the punching bag because I don't know. I think they toyed with it for a little bit because um, a lot of people point out that the turtle on the roof that screams splinter and and it's Raphael screaming splinter. um, He's got Michelangelo's nunchucks. So that might be part of his like, rage story that got cut but I've actually heard somewhere that that was always planned to be Raphael and for some shooting reason they had to use the Michelangelo body that day so that's just why it's like that and and I kind of believe that because if you read issue 11 I reread that before we did this episode Raphael is on the roof of the barn in in that issue and he's keeping watch for the foot clan so yeah, that's like his job is like, because remember in that version, it's Leonardo who got, and he didn't get incapacitated. He was just injured. Yeah. But yeah, Raphael's up on the roof of the barn keeping watch. So I think that was always part, that was always supposed to be Raph. But yeah, the the images match almost exactly. But I think there was the bit with Michelangelo flipping out in the barn and it was either deleted or it was never shot. And again, I'll point people to the comic book version of the movie in the comic book adaptation. After April is talking about Leo 
and saying that he keeps a constant vigil on wrath in the bathtub. It goes on to say, April says, the one that worries me the most is Michelangelo. He spends all of his time in the barn and then it shows him a punching bag and, and he destroys it like Captain America in the first Avengers movie. I think that's basically all it was. It was probably they might have even had that and that that's what got taken out. The one that worries me most is Michelangelo. He spends all his time in the barn. And the other deleted scene that I have a lot of notes on is I've talked about this in other episodes. There was originally a montage at the farm where the turtles trained blindfolded. They fought like one, one, one turtle would be blindfolded and the other three would attack him. And there's actually a really good YouTube breakdown of all the, everything we have for this scene yeah. on the turtle den, the oh, old okay, turtle yeah. den. Yeah. I'll put that in the description of this, uh, this episode so people can go check that out. But I, I also looked at the shooting script that I mentioned I had before. And basically that blindfold montage is in the script. It would have gone right before the, the turtle wax scene. You know, funny Mikey, mm-hmm. where they're in the Casey and April are in the kitchen. So basically, the turtles are are doing this blindfold training thing, and then Casey and April come home with groceries, and then that's why they're in the they're cutting it up. And then the turtles coming in is supposed to be them coming in from that training, like all like sore because they've been training. Oh, uh, okay. And in the script, it's huge. I actually, it's so big in the script that I think they didn't shoot it. I think they got the pieces that are in the montage and that's about it. And there is like, there's, there's images of Donatello leaning against the fence with the straw. hat. Oh yeah. 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 That's from this scene. It's a, it's of him watching other turtles spar. This is, I swear it's like a three page scene. It's huge. It would have been like, it might even be more than that. It might, it felt like 10 minutes of the movie when I was reading it. Um, because it goes, they're training blindfolded, and there's voiceover by, I think there was voiceover by Leonardo talking about, not voiceover, but like he's talking to the other turtles while you're watching them type thing. Yeah. So more like disembodied voice. Um, and they're talking about how Splinter has psychically like taught them this new fighting technique, and it's the blindfold thing, and they're, they're all doing it, and Raphael can't get it. And... Then it goes to the kitchen scene that I mentioned. And then there's another scene of them in the barn where Raphael is sparring some more. It's huge. So, like I said, it's so big that I don't think they filmed it. Otherwise, there would be footage of this somewhere. <laughs> I think they only filmed the parts we've seen pictures of. And again, I, I was surprised for the 30th anniversary they didn't do more. I know that Warner Brothers owns this movie but I don't see why Nickelodeon and them wouldn't have been able to work something out where they could have had a 30th anniversary set and, you know, had reproductions of the four sketches of the turtles and the deleted scenes and the commentary that's apparently only on the German version. But <laughs> I don't know. It's I guess it goes to show the turtles are popular, but they're still not as popular as a lot of other things that came out at around the same time. 
Yeah, but like to tell you the truth, like I feel like this movie is popular enough. There's got to be some other reason we haven't seen a release with all of this extra footage and extra stuff. There's also we we should mention here the one deleted scene that everyone knows about. This is one you can actually see online where April, the original ending to the movie was April oh, yeah. goes to a comic book company that says they never verbally say it, but you can see a sign on the wall that says Mirage and uh, and she's pitching the Ninja Turtles from the sketches she made as a comic book. And they say it looks preposterous or something. And the turtles are watching inside the window. So that's like the alternate ending, which I'm glad they didn't go with. Yeah, it's it just doesn't work. And at, like at the time, I think it would have confused me like as a kid because I didn't know it was a comic to begin with. And the last note I have is I always forget about this, but I, I watched the Blu-ray version of it. I've never seen another movie that does this, okay? It doesn't have a chapter select. So every time I watch this movie, the Blu-ray opens up with the end credits because that's where I left off last time I watched it. And I need to manually skip the chapters back to the beginning, <laughs> That's how bad, unless I'm missing something, I can't find a chapter select for the Blu-ray. It's, it's crazy. If, if I'm missing something, please let me know. That's weird. Yeah. Supposed to give you that VHS feel. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't rewind. I guess every time I watch it now, I should back it up to the New Line Cinema logo and let it play for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) So the next time I put it in, it'll be right where I need it. The the weirdest thing about the legacy of this movie to me is at the time there were so many other indie comic things in development that just didn't happen. And now that you're in the golden age of comic book movies... Mm-hmm. you're still not seeing these indie things come out too often. And I just think that's weird. Like you saw some different stuff come out and it wasn't all just superheroes. And I feel like right now superheroes are the only thing you can get made. And I think that's just unfortunate that that's the, the only guard. thing. The old oh, guard yeah, was a, a great indie uh, thing, indie comic book. And, um, I think it was indie. I don't know. But The Old Guard, it was great. Straight to Netflix. Uh, it's getting a sequel. But it... Um, I mean, I know Usagi's getting a show. And it's just... I don't know. I I know Spawn. They're somewhere in development on redoing it. I just... I feel like there's so many more properties out there that could be adapted that we don't always have to have just mm-hmm. Marvel and DC properties that are basically all superheroes. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just interesting. They were more willing to gamble on it in the 90s. I mean, look at the success of Walking Dead. Like everyone's kind of looking. I think that's what they were doing with Why the Last Man is, you know, they're everyone's looking for the next Walking Dead. Well, people might be apocalypsed out right now, too. (laughs) Yeah, it's bad timing for that. It's something I hope is coming. I, I hope there's more. You know, I'm all for the superhero movies and stuff, but I, I would love to see more of these niche comics, you know. 
Like Savage Dragon, I would love to see a live action version of that. I know it had an animated series, but like, if you did a show or a movie, I, I don't know. It just, I want to see more of the crazier stuff. I don't want it to be so many years in between. You know, Dread came out however long ago now. It's, I don't think anything else is coming out for that, but I don't know. There's just a lot more properties, that, you know, and obviously I hope creators are involved because that's the other issue, but I don't know. Yeah. It's just fascinating to me that studios were more open to it in the 90s where a lot of that stuff wasn't even possible to do in live action well and that's the thing with turtles too that is amazing is how well it holds up for being a practical effects movie yep another deleted scene i just noted noticed from my notes <laughs> i skipped over this one so when second time around is burning down there's been images of this released but again no one's ever seen the footage there's an image of judith hogue as april coming out of like a bulkhead which is like clearly the the back exit oh, yeah, yeah. of second time around and then after that there's an image of Donatello and and Leonardo I think carrying Raphael and basically it looks like the scene would have been just like in the comic book where they come out the back at exit and then they Get probably the would have like watched the store burn um just little stuff like that. It seems like there's not like big chunks, just like little pieces that we've never been able to see the footage of. And again, like I said, for an adaptation, like the movies, probably five or six issues of the comic mashed together, but it's yep. done well. I Very feel like well. there's, there's so many times where that, you know, happens and you can kind of tell they mash two things together that don't quite go together, even if it's like, from the same run of a comic. Well, I've heard I've heard on multiple things that that was basically one of the first things Steve Bannon said. He met with Kevin and Peter and they showed him the comic and like one of the first things he said when he saw the comic was the movie's right there. That's like a quote from him. Well, the movie's right there. Like and then he just took pages out of that and made them his storyboards. So yeah, it's it's something special. I'll give it that. Absolutely. Lightning in a bottle that I desperately want them to recapture now that it's been 30 years or whatever. Like, make it happen. It's been long enough. You can give me a good Turtles movie again. I mean, I like the other ones. I really like the CGI one. I, I was bummed that didn't get a sequel. Yeah. We'll score all those eventually. So now we've got a baseline. Our combined score was 44. I'm guessing Secret of the U's and Turtles 3 are going to have lower scores. But it's really going to get interesting when we score the, the 07 movie and the Platinum Dunes movies. Yeah, that that's and, where I'm curious where the ranking's going to fall. And then, who knows, by the time we get to those, the new Turtle movies might be out. So, Yeah, and we're not switching our format here, guys. These are just episodes we're doing in between seasons while we get ready to talk about volume two and three. So those comics are going to get covered by us, and we're not we're not changing the show. So, yeah, you don't have to worry about that. Uh, we're digital, dig, diligently. God, I can't speak. <laughs> taking notes right now. 
for season three. But no, this was just a nice thank you. And we tried to put our own spin at least because Lord knows every turtle podcast has talked about the movie. So that was our score. And it was basically a thinly veiled excuse to just talk about all our favorite parts. So I guess thank you guys for listening, and we will be back whenever we're back. I don't know when the season's starting up again, but we'll have another bonus episode for you in a little bit. So keep checking the feed, and tell 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 your friends. If you know some Ninja Turtle fans, let them know. This is the perfect time to get caught up. It's not a whole lot of episodes they got to listen to to be ready for when we start again. Anything else, Sean? I always liked Cowabunga. There you go. 9.95 Bye everybody The Ninja Turtle Nerds is a fan supported podcast If you'd like to support the show Head on over to patreon.com Slash TMNT nerds If you'd like to see images of the comics We discussed in this episode You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram At TMNT nerds Have a question or comment for us? You can email us at tmntnerds at gmail.com. And if you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much for listening.